everybody, and welcome to another edition of the World Football Index Scouting Spotlight Podcast. I am your host, Austin Miller, joined as always by Tom Robinson. Tom, it has been a while. We both took a little hiatus for the offseason in South America. I hope you were doing well. I know you went to Argentina. I can't wait to hear all about that. How you been, man? Yeah, I've been great. It's, it was yeah, a lovely time. Three weeks in Argentina and in Córdoba. First time really spending a good amount of time over there. No football, but at the same time, lots of good food, uh, nice people and, uh, and yeah, hot weather. So I'm now back in the in the colder climes of of England. But yeah, looking forward to at least getting to chat to you about some uh, some prospects. How, sure. how have you been, Austin? I've been good. I've been good. I think you and I are both in the same boat of of watching South American football and, and dreaming of, of warmer days. It's quite cold here in Chicago as well. We got a lot of snow in the last week. So I think we're both kind of freezing over here. <laughs> yeah, too. Right. But, you know, the, the football is going to start heating up pretty soon with Libertadores qualifiers starting soon. So, yeah, it's uh, it's starting to get interesting, and I know you've been watching the state leagues as well. So your your favorite tournament? Yeah, yeah, I watched I think five state league matches this weekend, and only two of them had goals. So there we go, right where we left off in 2017 here in 2018. Well, on today's show, <laughs> we're gonna break down one of the most promising players in Brazil, 24 year old Gustavo Scarpa, uh, led the Brazilian league in assists last year while at Fluminense, secured his move to the 2016 Brazilian champions Palmeiras this offseason. We'll get into the situation around that because as it seemingly always is in South America, it's a little complicated. Uh, but Tom and I will break that down for you. We'll break down who he is as a player as well as where we could project his future in Europe. Because Tom, I think we're both in agreement that this move for Gustavo Scarpa is probably not a long-term one. Uh, it's one with an eye towards visibility with that potential move to Europe maybe a year or two down the line for him. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, being 24, he's he's one of the older players that we've profiled, but that that's not going to rule him out of a well-deserved move to Europe. As you said, he's he's probably been one of the most consistent players over the last two years in the Brasileiro. And especially when you given the context of he's been playing for a distinctly average Fluminense side. So this uh, move to your beloved Palmeiras uh, looks like a great one on paper, right? It does. It does. And I think you will be responsible on this podcast for reining me in because, as you said, this is my team that he's moved to. I'm very excited about it. Uh, he sets up for a really good 2018 with a lot of talent. But I'm not crazy in suggesting that this is a really good player because, as you said, a distinctly average Fluminense side. He always shone for them. He was always the highlight, as I said, led the league in assists. And it's not like he had much to work with. Uh, and Hiki Dorado was an average goal scorer in the Brazilian down, got good numbers, but doesn't exactly inspire confidence. And other than that, not a ton on this Fluminense side. But Tom, it felt like every time you watched Gustavo Scarpa, he really stood out, at least to me when I would watch Fluminense play. What about his game stands out to you? And what do you think makes him so successful as both a goal scorer and a chance creator? That's the key thing, really. For me, it's it's not just the goals he scores. And you know, he does score some eye-catching goals from range. And he's a bit of a set-piece specialist. But it's it's that creative aspect to his game. He got 12 assists last year. 10 before that and for the last two years he's he's been one of the leading chance creators in the Brazilian league I, I think only Lucas Lima another player that Palmeiras have signed uh, got more than him last season so yeah it's it seems like Palmeiras have got themselves two really creative players and for any striker 
that's going to be an absolute joy to to play with, uh, especially when you've got Dudu there as well. So I think it's going to be exciting for them this season. There should be lots of goals. And yeah, Scarpa's just a very eye-catching, but also hard-working attacking midfielder who, who, who's pretty versatile as well. Uh, where would you say kind of his best position where is he going to fit in in this Palmeiras side Austin yeah I think there's there's two different answers to that question really he's going to fit in at Palmeiras as, as a wide midfield player um, Palmeiras will play that four two three one Lucas Lima will sit in your traditional number 10 role Dudu and Gustavo Scarpa will play the wings but Scarpa is certainly capable of playing that traditional number 10 role I think he did a bit more of that at Fluminense than you'll see at Palmeiras but you mentioned it, the versatility of him. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me when I watch him play is he takes those set pieces with his left foot, and that's definitely his dominant foot, but he's perfectly capable of scoring on his right foot and not just kind of tapping home with that right foot. He's willing to have a go with it. If that's the angle that the defense will give him, he'll take a shot with the right foot. Always dangerous with that left foot from anywhere. Uh, one of my favorite goals that he scored last year was in a route against a small team from the north of Brazil called Globo FC in the Copa do Brasil. Gustavo Scarpa picked up the ball on his own side of the midway line, looked up his head, and oh look, the goalkeeper's off his line, and, and put it home from distance, from very, very far distance. Just a really fun kind of that type of play, and you know, he's not going to be scoring from from midfield very often but it's that type of ability and that type of mindset that I think makes him so dangerous and so fun to watch and one thing that really stood out to me with him last year Tom is not just his ability on the pitch to to play but the consistency like you said he played all 38 league matches for Fluminense last year started 37 of them came off the bench once didn't score a ton of goals in the league for Fluminense but as we already touched on assisted a bunch the year before, played 34 league matches. So this is a guy that can absolutely grind. As you well know, the Brazilian league is, I say, the quickest run marathon in football. It's 38 matches, but it's condensed from mid-May until the end of November. So you're playing fast and furious, you know, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And he was always out there for Fluminense, always playing. I think that speaks to his durability. And that's something that a lot of teams will look at and could be big for his ability down the stretch and down the line is that, yes, he's consistent. And for most of his career, he's really been able to avoid injury. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a key point, I think. And and maybe with those extra years under his belt, he's kind of been able to, I don't know, gain that consistency that younger players might not have a chance to showcase. You know, they, they might get whisked off to Europe before they've had a run of games like he's had. So I think that he's he's stuck around a bit longer and he's been able to show that week in, week out performances. Like you said, his his shooting is is an impressive part of his game. I think he's he's nicknamed Shooter Vino, sort of little shooter. And one thing I wanted to ask though is why did he only get two goals last season if he's if he's such a threat from from range? Because the year before he had eight, or was that just a bit of an anomaly, like a purple patch? Or was the season gone? you know, more of an average season in terms of goals. So yeah, that, that's that's what I wanted to ask you because yeah, I can't quite peg whether he's like a goal scoring midfielder or if he's if he's more of a provider. So yeah, what, what do you think, Austin? 
I think two in the league is probably a little bit low for him, but I also think eight in the league is probably a little bit high for him. I would look to that 2015 year, his first year really in the Fluminense first choice side when he scored five goals, and that would probably be the number that you would expect. Capable of scoring goals, but probably not his primary role in your side. His primary role is going to be that chance creation, especially here with Paul Matus and with, as we've already touched upon, the rest of the attacking talent that Verdun have, is he's not going to necessarily be asked to score. But look, if you give him space from 25 to 30 yards on his left foot, he'll take it. And I think he'll make you pay for that. But it's not necessarily the strongest aspect of his game, but he is capable of it. And I think that 2 and 38 is a little bit low for him. I don't know that you can necessarily blame that on the lack of talent that was in those Fluminense sides, but it is a valid question, I think. But he also scored three and five in the Carioca. So I think there's a little bit more there than than just those two goals. But again, primary role is going to be chance creation, not necessarily chance finishing. You brought up his age, Tom, and I kind of wanted to ask you about that. At 24, as you said earlier, one of the older players that we've profiled here in the in these spotlight pods, uh, by this age, most talented Brazilian players, or South American players even for that matter, are already off in Europe and are playing somewhere. Not the case for Gustavo Scarpa. Are there any red flags that come with that for you? Or is it just kind of he was a bit of a late bloomer, didn't really get into the Fluminense first choice side until he was, you know, 20, 21. That's a bit later than, than some of these young talents when you think of it. Or is this something that, that clubs should legitimately be concerned about? It's always an interesting one, really, because 24 does seem that kind of upper limit of whether you're going to kick on and go to Europe or you're just going to hang around, maybe take a a money spinning move later on in your career before coming back to Brazil. And I I think it's interesting to see if he's going to go the way of Luan, who's stuck around, won a Libertadores with Gremio and and now looks like he's going to kick on and get that big move, or if he's going to end up uh, being like his his new teammate Lucas Lima, who a few years ago we thought would probably make that move to Europe, and has stuck around, and 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 now that he's kind of missed the boat really at 27. So I still think that there's plenty of clubs who'll be interested in in taking on board. Like you said, I think he's more of a late bloomer really because it's only been in the last two years that he's he's really kind of broken through and and cemented his role as one of the exciting young players in the league. And, you know, he started out as a left back as well, I believe. So maybe that didn't quite showcase his talents straight away. But I think there's all the kind of aspects that that hardworking nature to his game, those chances created, those assists that he's he's been doing year on year out. And I think maybe maybe not in six months because he'll, he'll probably only just have stately games to play. I think we'll probably see him go maybe in in a year at the earliest and and 18 months as a, as a potential where he goes is still up for debate because I'm I'm not sure he's quite at a level where he'll go to a a top side in Europe I think he might slot in um at a mid-table side in, in in any sort of Italian or Spanish or or you know maybe even more of a a left field shout like like Turkey I know Fenerbahce have been linked in the past but that there has also been interest from Manchester United. I don't know how much that is, is just paper talk or agent talk, but it's, it's certainly going to be interesting. And I think we should expect to see him in Europe at some point. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And looking at this move for him, I, I, you and I were talking about it pre-pod. Um, it feels 
Like, this is a visibility move for Gustavo Scarpa. And that's not to suggest that he doesn't want to win at Palmeiras or that he doesn't think that he can be successful there, but that he kind of recognizes that, you know, if I go to one of the bigger more talented clubs and Fluminense is a big club in Brazil with a lot of tradition, but the rut that they were in right now, Fluminense were going to, are going to finish mid table again. And now with Scarpa and their leading goal scorer and Hiki Dorado gone, they might get relegated this year. There's a legitimate chance of that happening. I think Gustavo Scarpa recognized that and said, I'm going to go to a bigger club, surround myself with really good, talented, top tier Brazilian players, showcase what I can do. And then as you said, 12 to 18 months from now, when I'm 25, you know, 26, I can make that move and then I can be ready. I can be Europe ready. He's not going to need a stopover move, if you will. You know, he'll go somewhere. And I think Fenerbahce is a, is a great shout, really. Those, you know, kind of Europa League sides, not in, in the top tier of Europe. I don't think he's that talented. I don't think his game necessarily translates that well. But playing against competition of, of Europa League standards, of lower tier standards, I think he can be can be really, really successful. Uh, I mentioned that there were some interesting details surrounding this move. Fluminense are actually challenging the move. He had unpaid wages along with a lot other Fluminense players at the end of 2017. Fluminense kind of stumbled to the finish line, stayed up, but there's certainly questions around that club. Unpaid wages for Gustavo Scarpa. So he elected to go to court to have his contract with Fluminense nulled because of those unpaid wages. That was held up by the court. So they nulled the contract and he was able to go to Palmeiras for free. Technically, Palmeiras actually paid around 6 million euros to both Scarpa and his agent to secure that move. Fluminense are still challenging that move in court. Palmeiras actually tried to avoid that challenge by offering Fluminense some players on loan. Palmeiras have a very big, very talented squad. So there were some players who probably aren't going to feature very much this year that Palmeiras were willing to let go to Fluminense on loan in order for them to drop their court challenge against this deal. Fluminense said, no, 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 we don't want that. We're going to continue to challenge this. I don't believe that challenge is going to be successful. Uh, generally, when your contract is rescinded because of unpaid wages in Brazil, uh, it doesn't get put back on the books. So I think this move, I don't think there's any sort of questions around that. But I think it, it is worth noting that, Tom, this was a move that was made to kind of get away from the sinking ship that is Fluminense right now and the troubles that that club is having, the exodus that they're having with a lot of talent. And it's a visibility move. And I think it's one that will pay off. What about you? Yeah, it was one that I didn't necessarily expect to begin with, but I don't think I quite understood how bad the situation at Fluminense is. I mean, we've I think this is now the third Fluminense player or someone who's played for Fluminense um, that we've done on the pod after Wendell, Richarlison, and there's been players like Marlon, Gerson, and even further back, Marcelo and Thiago Silva. So it seems like they do produce and develop a lot of young talent but they're certainly a, a shadow of them their, their former selves and and generally in the, in Brazil what's the feeling about the move is it is there sympathy with Scarpa for the unpaid wages or is it is there a case of the the Fluminense fans feeling like he's stitched up the club for you know not going for any money what, what's the general feeling over there yeah so from what I've gathered is I, I think there is sympathy you know, obviously Fluminense fans are going to be upset about it, but I think the unrest is more at the club themselves for not 
getting things in order. It was pretty clear that something like this could happen, and they, Fluminense just couldn't figure it out. They publicly cut eight other players, some of whom have been starters. That didn't go over well. And so they've just kind of put themselves in a situation where they're not getting money for the talent that they're letting leave. And they're a club that absolutely needs that money right now. Palmeiras had long been after Gustavo Scarpa. They made numerous attempts last year to bring him in uh, during the during you know the the European summer, Brazilian winter, the June to August period. They were continually making offers to Fluminense, different players that they would put in that trade. In December, they were making offers on the books to Fluminense. You know, Roger Gedges, who ended up going to Atlético Mineiro, was nearly to Fluminense and then kind of backed out of it when when I think he realized what was going on at the at the the big Rio club. And then finally, the pathway really opened up where Palmeiras could get him for, quote-unquote, free, just having to pay him and his agent rather than working with Fluminense themselves. And they jumped at it. Uh, there is some question as as to how he'll fit, because as you said, they brought in Lucas Lima, another number 10. There's talented wingers there already. Cano is a player who's been very good for Palmeiras. Dudu is good. William was Palmeiras' leading goal scorer last year. At 31, he's a bit older, but still a very capable player in the Brazilian league. Alejandro Guerra is still at Palmeiras. He was... You know, the player of the Libertadores in 2016 for Atlético Nacional kind of struggled with Verdun last year, but he's still there and expected to play some type of role. There's a lot of young, talented players. There's just a lot of players in this squad who are capable of doing a shift, capable of working. But Palmeiras had long wanted Gustavo Scarpa. Roger Machado, their new manager, was was happy to bring him in. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of that talent is juggled. But if Palmeiras have the season that they're expecting, squad rotation will be huge. And, and Scarpa is just another piece to that that bigger puzzle. So back to the original question. I'm not sure if there's much unrest at, at the player himself. He used the situation to get out of his contract. Other Fluminense players haven't done that, even though they probably could. Uh, but other Fluminense players also wouldn't necessarily have the opportunities that he would have. I don't know that there's much value in getting out of your contract at Fluminense so that you can go sign with another mid-tier Brazilian side. But Scarpa was the type of player that could get out of that contract and then go and move to a bigger side. Uh, final question for you, Tom, before we wrap this up. How would you see him playing in Europe? Do you think his game is the type that translates to Europe? Uh, and you've kind of thrown out some names already, but what type of a club do you think he would be most successful in? Do you agree with my position that a Europa League side is probably the best fit? Or do you see him maybe growing into an even bigger role than that? Yeah, it's interesting, really. I think um, I, th- I think his creativity and his, his game intelligence certainly would be something that translates to to a European club as I said before I think you know maybe a mid-tier Italian side or a mid-tier Spanish or maybe a bigger club in a in a, in a smaller league say like a Basel or or some or Fenerbahce T- Turkey could be you know a good shout but yeah I'm I'd, I'd be interested I think there's a lot would depend on the price that obviously coming from Palmeiras and and a lot of highly touted Brazilian players making big money moves that might put off some of those clubs so who knows it's I think it's still early days to say when you know he's only just joined Palmeiras I, th- I think he'd do well I mean is are there any aspects of his game that you kind of think do need some work um, do you reckon he's physical enough to slot into a top European uh, league I don't necessarily know that he's 
he's incredibly physical. But at 24, it, to me at least, Tom, it feels like he is the player that he's going to be. I don't think you're going to see any sort of great leaps of development. And what he is is very solid and very good. But this is kind of the downside of profiling a player of this age is he kind of is what he is. And what he is is pretty darn good for the level that he's at. And it could be good for the level that he's maybe going to. Uh, but I don't know that Gustavo Scarpa, you know, two years from now is going to be much different from Gustavo Scarpa now. Do you think that's a fair point? Yeah, I think I think he's probably hit, not necessarily his ceiling, but relatively close to it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a question of which kind of cl- uh, club, maybe someone like a Sampdoria or, or someone like that who, who can maybe see... See him as someone who can who could shine in a mid-table team where he's going to be one of the, the standout attacking talents, and from there potentially get a move to a, a, a bigger club in the uh, in the league and, and make a bit of a profit on him. It, it depends what that uh, initial price was. Before we go, I've got uh, just a few other little questions for for you that I thought maybe we could we could look into. One is you know for our listeners, who who would you kind of compare him to? I've I've seen him compared to the the great Rivellino um and I think there's some merit in that although his mustache is nowhere near as good um <laughs> but yeah I was wondering you know for just to kind of give give the listeners an idea of his, his style of play who would you who would you compare him to that's an interesting one you know me coming to the game when I did I don't have a ton of the the past knowledge to go off of I think he's actually fairly similar to, to Lucas Lima in his style of play. Um, and that is not going to necessarily be on display at Palmeiras because he's going to be pushed out wide. But his passing ability is probably his, his best feature. Dangerous from set pieces, dangerous from distance. Not an incredible goal scorer, but a dangerous one. What about for you? Who, who would you kind of compare him to? Yeah, I think that's a good shout as well. Um, hopefully it's not a case of too many cooks spoiling the broth at, at Palmeiras and and hopefully they can link together and and complement each other rather than get in the way of each other. I know that he's he's said that he admires Willian. I don't think they're quite uh, the same sort of player, but maybe that right-hand side midfield uh, maybe not quite as dynamic in the in the final third when it comes to goal-scoring opportunities, but but certainly someone who who can create and someone I've seen a lot of uh, photos of him with with a guitar, um, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but he's certainly someone who, who likes to pull the strings. I think we can both say. Great, great, good one, good one to end <laughs> it on there, Tom. Glad to see you're back after the break in. with with plenty of new material. Um, <laughs> before we do close, I would like to say that this is probably going to be the type of podcast that we'll put a bookmark in, and you know, 12 to 18 months from now, when he does get ready to make that move, we'll kind of pull it back out again. Um, so if you are listening to this way down the line. Hopefully this gave you a good overview of how he is as a player. Uh, when we do plug it in the future, we'll probably make sure to point out if there are any any big differences from anything pointed out. But I do think this is the type of podcast that will be able to age fairly well because of where he's at right now. And, and as we kind of said, I don't see him changing all that much. Well, thank you very much for listening to this edition of the World Football Index Scouting Spotlight. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to get all the latest from the World Football Index. Thanks for listening and have a good one.